Hello, and welcome to Banking Transformed. I'm your host, Jim Roos, founder and CEO of the Digital Banking Report and co-publisher of the Financial Brand. On today's podcast, we explore how the application of contextual data will impact the future of banking. Today, we're joined by Hossein Ranama, a computer scientist who lives in the paradox of academia and entrepreneurship. As a visiting professor at the MIT Media Lab and professor of, at Ryerson University, his research explores AI, mobile human-computer interaction, and the effective design of data-driven services. He is also the founder and CEO of Flybits, a data intelligence company that is serving the financial services industry. Hey, it's really great to have you on the show today, Hussein. And one is to touch base a little bit. Can you tell me a little bit about Flybits and what its mission is, as well as its application in the financial services industry? If you look at the consumer sector, you're seeing that digital channels are becoming more predictive, more learnable, and more context-aware. Think about Siri on Apple. Think about Amazon and Alexa. Think about Google Assistant and Google Live on Google. These are next-generation digital services that can learn from their users and they can get better as the users use them. So if you think about the enterprise world, if you think about the banking world, almost all the banks try to build such services on their digital channels, these next-generation concierge services that can understand the needs of their users and can adapt and give the right information to the right user at the right time. That's what we refer to as context-aware computing or contextualization. Doing and building these types of capabilities in the past required a lot of IT processes, algorithmic expertise, understanding things such as statistical modelings and predictive modelings. So what Flybit has done is that it has really simplified that process for banks. So instead of expecting the bank to go and build silos of data scientists and algorithmic experts, We have built platforms that even a marketing intern can be trained on and they can focus more on use cases and creativity rather than worrying about IT complexities. And they can bring these next generation predictive use cases to the market in a faster and a more efficient way. So really what you're talking about there is taking a new realm of secondary data and applying it so that Instead of waiting until somebody does something and you tell them it's happened, you're actually able to predict or work in the advance of what a consumer should do. You can you can take outside information and provide solutions that are that are predictive, correct? That is correct. And you know, AI without data doesn't really mean anything. So in order to build a capable, scalable AI strategy for banks, you need to have a lot of data and you need to know a very good data strategy around data. So what Flybits does is that it empowers the bank to leverage their proprietary data assets, enables them to correlate it with external data assets, whether it's coming from a sensor, whether it's coming from a phone, whether it's coming from loyalty program providers, airlines, merchants, and really allow them to put those data sets together in an effective way and use that to build customer logic. They can use that logic to do better automation within the bank. 
they can also use those logic to engage with their customers better. But the key thing we highlight here is that customer identifiable information is fully protected. And in some cases, the banks doesn't even see them. But using our capabilities on how we encrypt the data, how we tokenize the data, although the data is not identifiable, the bank can still have the ability to use that data logic to engage with their customers on a more personalized fashion. So when we're talking about an open banking environment, would this also enable the association of services outside financial services where the bank could actually be the holder of the the customer identity, so it so to speak, and that they would then able to apply it towards other applications, maybe outside of banking? I'm very glad that you asked that question. Our belief is that the banks of the future will not necessarily be seen as banks or, or, uh, or, or finance institutions. They will be seen more and more as data hubs or ecosystems for a much broader set of industry verticals. Not even they can provide better financial products and more relevant financial products to their customers, but they are in a perfect position to leverage data to form these data alliances and data partnership with other members of the ecosystem, such as grocery stores, airlines, energy companies, and think about models that the customers can subscribe to these data hubs and alliances. I'm very glad that you brought up open banking because now it's up to the user if they are willing to share their information or not. And they will continue to receive benefits and services from members of this alliance, which are complementary businesses that are sharing data based on the consent of the user to receive better more relevant and higher impact services on their digital channels. So when you're really talking about the collection and application of data, it, the, the reality is we're, we're trying as financial institutions to increase the value uh, proposition and, and make it more valuable to the consumer. But at the end of the day, we could get into issues regarding privacy. How do you see privacy playing out with solutions such as yours? We look at privacy not just from a data point of view, but also from a design point of view. You mentioned open banking. In Europe, you know, we have guidelines such as GDPR and in the UK, things such as PSD2. Combining all of these, I think the paradigm will shift. The paradigm will shift from the bank has a lot of data about you, therefore they can mine it and push you information. And it's changing towards a model that the service that the bank provides should be so good that the user is now willing to share more and more data to get better service from the bank. And the moment they are not happy about the service or they are not comfortable about how the data is being shared, they have the ability to delink all of that data. So when you mention privacy in the past, I'm sure you and many of your listeners remember it's not a new thing that these organizations want to share data to provide cross-channel services. The difference now is that with the capabilities that Flybits created, and also it's a trend in the research in data science, is that you don't need to co-locate the data in one location. Probably we all heard about this notion of data lakes. The moment you co-locate the data, 
you make it very prone to security and privacy risks. The new capabilities that we built basically allows the data to stay in their premises. You agree on an edge, not within the cloud, but within an edge for the data insights to be computed among these data sets. And members of the data alliance will have access to the insights, not to the atomic data. So think about a grocery store, a telecom operator, and a bank partnering with each other. Absolutely, they are not interested to disclose each other data sets to, to one another because that's a very important asset and it's very much prone to privacy and security risks. But if there is a trusted edge that all of them can rely on to understand the insights and the patterns and the correlations between that data, and only the insights can be shared rather than the data, I think we have reached a level of data maturity and data science maturity that a lot of the great concepts that we have had in the past can now get commercialized and be implemented in the market. So, you know, when you apply this then, how do you see, you see this as the financial institution really being the personal concierge for a consumer's life, both inside and outside financial services. Is the banking industry in the best position to be the daily concierge for a consumer, do you believe? Let us look at few attributes to see whether banks are in a good position to be the driver of such hubs. In order for an organization on a vertical, essentially, to be able to lead this, first of all, they need to have a lot of data. Well, we agree that many banks have a lot of data about you, especially when it comes to transactions, income level, credit score. That's very valuable data. This is data that many tech giants such as Facebook and Amazon and Google do not have access to. And that is why they are trying to get into the financial sector, because they want to have access to such data. So if data sets exist in a bank, I think it's, more, it's a great asset for the banks to leverage it to build new business models out of that. The second attribute is, well, we need to have a lot of existing users. We don't want to start with a cold start problem like a B2C company to go and, you know, acquire users 111. Banks have a lot of users. So combining these two and still believe that banks compared to many of these centralized repositories of information such as Facebook and Google and others are still more trusted, I think they are in a good position to leverage digital design, bringing creativity such as storytelling and narrative design, combining it together and really lead the way to become the hub of the next generation concierge services. When you're looking at this and we look at the fact that in your environment, the importance of re real-time data becomes imperative because you're really trying to provide solutions on the fly in a way that if I'm in a location and, and I'm doing something and anything as simple as weather changes or, or something in, in my life changes to a degree that it may recommend not only a financial service but maybe something outside the financial realm – how do you do this? How do you implement this in financial institutions that right now are not really structured with their legacy data structure to deal with that rapid of a turnaround of, of data and insights? You raised a very good point. I think gaining maturity on data science and understanding what data ecologies mean in a banking sector 
is extremely valuable to empower and enable a bank to innovate for the future. You mentioned weather data. There are sensory data there, such as location. There are commute patterns. There are purchase behavior patterns. In the past, as you know, the infrastructure of a bank were built in silos. Let me kind of share a common story that Flybits hears almost all the time. Every single digital executive that we talk to at a bank tell us that since about a year or two years ago, they started something in the bank called a digital transformation strategy. And what they meant was that they wanted to bring a lot of data from within the bank and from outside the bank and really automate both within the bank and also engage with their customers better. When we talked to those executives after about six months into the project, almost all of them tell us that about 90% of their budget is being spent on managing IT complexities, data complexities. And although they came up with some amazing use cases to begin with, they really could not bring them to the market. Now, there are a number of reasons for that. Software engineering paradigms has changed. The old way of procuring multi-million dollar software from tech giants changing all your paradigms and then bringing a system integrator and waiting for a year for some capabilities to be alive in the market has passed. With the advent of microservices, effective orchestration in the cloud, you can really cluster the bank into smaller, more agile product units and really empower them around product capabilities rather than, you know, function function and feature capabilities in a bank. I think if such things can be understood better and be advocated within the bank, banks can really leverage these new capabilities in partnership with startups, also leveraging some of the existing capabilities uh, they have, and really focus on time to market. So combination of these, I think, will allow banks to be more innovative and more agile when it comes to design and implementation of such services. You really see that the role of financial institutions may move from being money vaults and products and services around financial services to really being data vaults where the the value proposition moves to being how financial institutions institutions can make consumers' lives easier, correct? I definitely think so. And I wouldn't be surprised. Let's remember... Uh, co-ops in the 60s. There were entities that represented their members and they were trusted by members in their own community. I wouldn't be surprised that if I use this analogy that in the past you were going to your local branch to deposit a check and in the future you may still go to your local branch but you're going to deposit your sensitive data. You don't give up the data. The data belongs to you as the deposits were owned owned by you, but the bank now has the responsibility to manage that data on your behalf. So I definitely see that banks are in a perfect position. If they innovate right, they can actually be the perfect data vaults for the future, managing the privacy privacy and also the data of their customers on their behalf and use that data to drive healthier behavior in their 
community. There is a lot that can be done there. This could be things around the notion of connected cities, smart cities, really leveraging these new types of shared economies to drive better behavior. So I think banks can really innovate there, but they need to understand the value and importance of data in achieving such transformation, not just on an immediate basis, but also for keeping the bank relevant for the decades to come. So you also probably see this also as a change in the way that people access that data. So what do you see as far as the, the role of voice, for instance? I would say there are a number of interesting interaction layers that enables banks to interact with their customers better. These could be conversational interfaces, like we have seen chatbots. There are lots of companies in this space, in the fintech space. There are voice assistants like Google Home and and Alexa. There are messaging platforms out there. These are all presentation layers. And the role of context, and that's that's where Flybits plays, is that it understands which interaction model is more relevant for that customer in that particular situation. For example, if you are in a busy environment, maybe the right way to interact with you is through a a display-driven interface rather than voice. If you are in a position at home that there is not a lot of ambient noise and your interaction with your bank is more passive rather than active, you're looking for advice, maybe switching to a voice assistant will be better. But I don't think we should compare these channels and kind of think which one is better than the other. I think we should think about a contextual layer that determines the needs of a banking customer when they are at home and the needs of the same customer when, let's say, he or she is traveling on business at an airport requiring cross-border services or cross-border travel services. That is more important, and I think there are lots of interactions you can think about, even including robotics. We are working on you know, humanoid robots that can act as a customer service representative at a branch. But those are all the application and presentations. We also need to have a deeper look in terms of what infrastructure do we need to use the right channel for the right use. Okay, so looking at the way we apply data, look at all this advanced analytics and applications so that the consumer really knows that the financial institution knows them, understands them, and, and looks out for them. But the challenge still is that banks are banks and bankers are bankers. What do you see as the leadership challenge and the cultural challenge in being able to apply this level of service, this level of application of data, and actually it's changing the overall business model? What do you see as the challenge internally for financial institutions in actually moving forward and embracing this type of technology? I think there are a number of factors that leaders in a bank should look at. One of them is organizational. Usually, if you look at a structure of a bank, you have three core silos. Usually, you have an IT team. These are you know, groups that are managing the infrastructure, security, ensuring the servers are up. Then you have a digital team. The digital team is about, okay, now that we have all of this data, how are we going to bring it outside the organization? Whereas the role of the IT team is exactly the opposite, is that how do I keep the data inside and secure? So IT plays a defensive role. 
digital plays more like an offensive role. And then it's usually many of the, these banks introduced another silo called the analytics and the AI team, which is like, oh, now we have all of these data assets siloed and fragmented. How do we make sense of it? I think the first thing that bank le- the, the banking leaders should do is to really create a horizontal and an abstraction layer among these units. So first of all, they don't compete with each other but also they complement with each other. And one approach to do that is to really create these smaller, more agile, more interdisciplinary units in a bank rather than to say, oh, we have an AI team of about 200 scientists. That is the job of a university. It's not the job of a bank. And really create interdisciplinary teams that in them they have people from computer science, data science, design, business, project management, and really empower them to bring capabilities to the market. And there are technologies that allows these to be done on a more effective basis in a secure environment like banks. The second thing I would say is their view on AI. There is no such one thing as AI, even a subset of AI, which is machine learning. There are about 50 different ways of doing machine learning. Context is very important there. Do you want to use machine learning to manage risk? Do you want to use machine learning to optimize selling and upselling? Each of these require a different type of AI strategy, AI infrastructure, and expertise. How do you procure technology that you can basically plug these capabilities and not necessarily build such capabilities in silos? This is kind of how CTOs in an organization can play a role. And also the last thing I would say, almost every single bank that you talk to these days, they have an innovation arm. It's very important that the innovation arm of a bank is interconnected to a business unit and understands how to solve a pain point. An example I can share with you, I'm not going to mention the bank, but we went to a very big innovation presentation by a very large bank. And what we saw was on one table, there is a humanoid robot, then there is a drone, then there is a bit of a blockchain, and then there is a bit of a mobile. It is great, but let partner with universities, let them to do such things. You bring capabilities to the bank that is actually solving a key pain point. And that means you need to connect the innovation unit of the bank to the leaders of business units and really create compensation structure and and incentives for these individuals to talk to each other. In some cases, innovation arm is just there to... Hopefully, they, people hope to bring innovation in, but there is a need for some organizational alignment between what business wants and what innovation can do. And finally, could you tell me, recently there was a, you announced the, a partnership with MasterCard. Could you tell me a little bit about how that partnership works? Because, you know, our listeners obviously want to see how the technologies are being applied. And MasterCard is obviously doing quite a bit with their with their innovation lab and and also with their capabilities as far as their innovation engine. Could you tell me a little bit, talk to us a little bit about what your partnership with MasterCard is going to involve? 
The relationship that you mentioned is part of our recent uh, fundraising that includes 0.72 VC, which is the venture arm of the big asset management in New York, City Ventures, the venture arm of Citibank, Reinventure, which is the venture arm of Westpac, the bank in Australia, and MasterCard. So we intentionally created a support structure and investment that we have very complementary organizations coming, investing in Flybits and supporting us to move forward. Now, MasterCard is an extremely innovative, agile organization when it comes to understanding their customer and also empowering their partners to leverage their digital and data assets to really personalize information for their end users. As you know, they are one of the major, if not the biggest, card issuers in the world. They have relationships with merchants, with banks, and with many, many other entities. So when we looked at that dynamic, we basically said this is a perfect setting for Flybits to demonstrate its capabilities, whether it's leveraging transaction data, whether it's leveraging loyalty data, whether it's leveraging relationships with merchants and airlines, and really work with them to understand the needs of their users while we protect their privacy to really deliver useful, high-impact and timely services, not just to MasterCard direct customers, but also to MasterCard partners, whether they are merchants or card issuers. Well, it's been great to spend some time with you, and and it's exciting to see where contextual insight can drive financial services in the future. Uh, We talk a lot about the movement from reactive to proactive engagement, and and your solution obviously gets us to that point. I, again, really appreciate you spending some time with us today. And again, uh, today we've spent some time with Hussein Renama from Flybits and uh, looking forward to uh, talking to you and seeing where, where your organization goes in the future. Thank you very much, Jim. It was a pleasure uh, speaking with you and looking forward to staying in touch. Thanks for listening to Banking Transformed. If you enjoyed today's interview, please be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app. You can also learn more about the Digital Bank Report and the financial brand by visiting our websites. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to our producer, Bridget Coyne, and audio engineer, Eric Coltnow. I'm your host, Jim Bruce. Thanks for listening and see you next time. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.